0: What's happening Browns fans welcome into a victory Monday podcast in case you forgot this is your host Jake Burns your date is Monday September 12th and your Cleveland Browns are 1-0 and they're 1-0 and for the first time since 2004 reminder I think it was 2018 they didn't lose technically but they tied the Steelers so um, yeah listen this is a, a celebratory thing your Cleveland Browns have won a, a season opener we'll see if they can run it run it back and win their home opener for the first time in a while. But they won their season opener for the first time since 2004. Think where you were in 2004 and how long ago that is. They got it done. It was not the cleanest path to success. It was not a road filled with perfect football. But they got a win on the road. And I thought they did so in a fashion that was, for the most part, a dominating performance. A couple hiccups that we will discuss in this podcast made this game far closer than it should have been by any stretch. But nonetheless... This is a positive show, a Victory Monday show. Perhaps you're wearing your Victory Monday shirt. Perhaps you're wearing, sorry, perhaps you're drinking out of your Victory Monday mug. I hope you are, and I hope you're enjoying it, because this doesn't come along often enough, and after a stressful, stressful offseason, I think we all deserve to have some feel-good vibes after a win that your favorite football team was able to achieve. So... We're going to talk about so many things today around this game. A simple reminder, I'm going to bring in my guest, Corey Kenan here in just a little bit. OBR colleague of mine does a great job on film room content, uh, college scouting, uh, mock drafts, all of that. You should be following Corey. If you're not, rectify that. But we are going to talk with Corey in just a minute about so many different things about this game. But for schedule's sake, if you don't remember how these podcasts go from last year, We do this one without having consumed the all 22. So we're giving very much first watch opinions. I've rewatched portions of the game as I'm recording this at about 10 o'clock here on Sunday night. Uh, I've rewatched portions of it, but I have not really consumed it, broken it down and given a lot of detailed analysis into certain performances from individual players. Broad scope. We'll cover that. We'll talk about our feelings about what we saw, how we think it shook out and all of that. But the deep dive happens on your comprehensive film breakdown uh, show which is going to be a defense offense com- combination you will get on uh, tuesday throughout the football season now it's going to move if they have prime time games and different things like that but that's your general schedule for this year just to keep you informed on that reminder if you missed the game um uh, on playback it was fantastic a lot of fun a lot of good banter and some good moments especially that final kick right so uh that was great you can watch playback on thursday night football monday night football sunday night football and every single browns game it's just it's just uh, playback.theobr.com, uh, so check that out. It's always available for you. Just, uh just have to link your TV provider. And then plenty of good things coming up at the OBR this week. We're going to have a Monday Rewind show. Corey's going to put up his four downs. I'm going to write up some pass coverage blunders that the Browns did. I know Jack Duffin has some things coming. We get our analytics review. A ton of things happening, so it's a good start to the week. We're finally in regular season mode. You can expect certain content from the OBR staff. You can expect certain things from this podcast. I'll keep enlightening you on all of those things as they happen. But I'm happy you're here. I'm happy you're listening. We're going to reel Corey into this show in just a second. Before we dig into the guts of this episode on your Victory Monday, a quick break for a word from our sponsors here at Blue Wire.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: Alright, we're back. I'm back. I'm reeling in Corey Cannon. Corey, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you here. Let's talk about this win, man. A little a little relief in terms of... You and I were the, the ones live at the playback show. I I got out in front of myself a little bit because out of the corner of my eye, I saw it was good and I couldn't help it. But pretty cool to see the Browns make an important kick that matters in a meaningful game, right?
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I'm writing this article for tomorrow and I looked back through the, all the Browns kickers and I was like, oh, Billy Cundiff, Zane Gonzalez, <laughs> Garrett Hartley, Billy Cundiff again! Uh, Greg Joseph, all of these, dudes, Cody Parkey. and it's like that's a nauseating list. And so to have a feeling like, oh, that 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 list might be a little concluded for a while is, it's like a, a relaxing fielding. And, and you know, there, there, there's probably worse ways to start your career than four for four, four for four on field goals, including a 58 yard game winner. So, yeah, well they they've uh, been
0: searching for one with talent, right? And they found one with talent. That's part of the struggle. It's not just. You know, everybody talks, Corey, about this mental. We'll dig into Cade York right now because it's the most important thing to talk about. Everyone talks about this. Well, you know, you got to have this mental thing. Uh, yeah, I agree. You got to be able to handle this, the the setbacks of being a kicker and the 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 ups and downs of of that job. But you got to be talented too. Having a leg like his, and again, he made that from fifty eight to win the game. And I'm watching it again, mm-hmm. Corey. That thing's good from sixty eight. He crushed it. He crushed it. It was a perfect little draw. If you're a nice golf player, you know, you you your swing, he's got a nice little draw to that thing. He works right to left on that kick. It was it was a thing of beauty. I mean, it really was. And he's got the talent. The mental side seems fine. I think it's, you know, you never want to put too much out in front of the the situation here. It's one game, but boy, you should be excited about having a real kicker, especially in this division where we've watched so many kickers be so good for so long, including the weird Pittsburgh game where Boswell makes a, a walk-off kick in the last minute to to win that one. We know how good Justin Tucker is, and we watched Evan McPherson do some ridiculous stuff as a rookie, so it's pretty cool to to be in this situation, right, where you, you at least feel good about that. The punter, too. We should mention Bo, Borkas was was good.
2: Yeah, so <laughs> Jamie Gillen, you know, love him to yeah. death for whatever reason people love him. He, he drinks beer and looks like Thor. Uh, but that dude's not an NFL punter. And it's just good to have a guy that, like, oh, we need to flip the field here. Horkin has pinned that one deep. The first, His first punt, he boomed it and it put it within, like, what, the five-yard line? Seven-yard mm-hmm. line? Something like that? And then that last one, I, I, I mean, it was a high-leverage situation, so I'm pretty sure they, they probably just told him to boot it, you know, get it out of there. But but he boomed it into the end zone. And, you know, starting at the 20 is not the worst thing in the world. At least flips the field a little bit. So, I mean, sure, you, you could hope for a little bit better out of that. But, yeah, like, spent. You, you put could it on tell the sideline. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. So One thing you could really tell is is probably there was a conversation with Mike Prefer where Stefanski probably had to sit him down and say, listen, man, we're running out of straws to draw. And Mike Prefer said, well, go get my guys then. And yeah. so we got a new punter. You got a new kicker. And you, you had a new returner who, unfortunately, you know, would have been nice to have today. But uh, sure. I, I would assume something like that probably happened. You know, Stefanski and Prefer are close. But at the end of the day, Stefanski's probably like, man, I, 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 I'm I grasping at nothing. What do you got? So yep. Yep. it's nice to have a guy, though. Nice to have a guy.
0: It is. Both of them are talented. Both of them have strong legs. I think you're right. But Horquez, uh, just in that situation, they didn't want to get it blocked. I think it was, what, 23-21 at that point. So mm-hmm. you just want to get it kicked uh, kicked away and, and and live to fight. And that's something people forget, too, is a punt to the end zone is only out to the 20. It's not a kickoff. It's not out to the 25. So you forget. people forget about that little five-yard difference there uh, because, you know, touchbacks used to be in the end zone for kickoffs, used to be to the 20, but they incentivized taking a knee. It seems like some teams have not figured that out. Also, Cade York pretty consistently great kickoffs, usually kicking them well deep into the back of the end zone. Some of them have landed in the stands behind the field. So, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's good at that too. And they covered pretty well today. So I was fine from a special teams perspective. It was strong. They were the better special teams team there. I mean, uh, uh, at least I think, well, we could, we should talk about the last little part of that, which is Dimitri Felton. You, you mentioned, you just referenced the situation uh, for uh, you know, the Keem grant and they wanted his guys. I think that's a great point about Prefer being like, Hey man, we've neglected my stuff here a little too long. I can't, can't make something that go. That's not here. Right. And I think Prefer's still far from perfect. They had that illegal formation on a kickoff, like they're far from perfect, but for the most part, he's got talent there and they had talent with Keem. And I think he would have been a nice fit as a return guy in both phases. I just felt and makes me nervous, man. I think kickoff stuff with mm-hmm. Ford and, and, and the like is fine. But I mean, I at least, I at least think you have to consider it Corey. you have to consider a guy who you at least consistently know is going to catch a football DPJ is not going to be back there. I don't want him back there. Can you pick up somebody? Can you pick up somebody, find somebody that can just catch it and consistently get a couple yards here and there? I mean, for the day the, he had a, he had a muffed punt uh, and and early in the, I think the first one and no, sorry about that. The first one he like dove forward to catch. It was Mm -hmm. extremely bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely Uh. bizarre. And then, and then he fumbles one working to his right, trying to catch that one. He was fine after that, but like, the, 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 that was pretty temp tem, tem, tempered weather. I'm trying to think the right word to say it wasn't crazy. And you're going to get really weird wins up in Cleveland. And he struggled with those weird wins last year in first energy stadium. So I just think you got to fix it. I, it's nothing against Felton. He's just not, he's not built for it. And I, I don't know what, how much more we need to see of that, but it's not built for it. So that's a wrap on specials. We got out in front of those early. We should talk about the offense. Then we'll switch over to talk about uh, how the Browns defended Baker Mayfield, so on and so forth. Let's do real quick, Corey stats. So, in this one, team stats I'd like to cover first. The Browns dominated almost every category. And this is something that you should feel really optimistic about because this is how we've talked about how they have to win. 23 first downs for Cleveland to 15 for Carolina. This is a nice number too, Corey. 8 of 18 on third downs. That's strong for this group. Um, Carolina 4 of 11 on third downs. So they got off the field. The net yardage, 355 to Cleveland, 261 for Carolina. Offensive play, 74 to 50 for Cleveland. Yet almost a similar average gain per play 4.8 to 5.2 Cleveland runs for 217 yards including 141 from Nick on 22 carries 46 from Kareem and Nick listen Nick made a bunch of rush yards over expected runs I can't wait to see that data he made some plays happen where people were around him in the backfield where it shouldn't have resulted in what it resulted in uh Kareem goes 11 for 46, Schwartz two for 20. Brissett ran four times on little scrambles and got 10 yards. So that's your 217. They only threw for 138. Jacoby was 18 of 34 for 147. A touchdown. Again, your total passing yards, any sack numbers, those get taken out. So um he only throws for one they throw, throw for 138 as a team. The penalties are still a problem. We'll talk about that later. Nine penalties for 71 yards for Cleveland, eight for 96 for Carolina. But the Browns didn't turn it over. Carolina threw one interception four punts for Cleveland, five for Carolina, two touchdowns for Cleveland, three for Carolina, but Cleveland went four for four on field goals to one for Carolina and the time of possession, 38, 26 to 21, 34. I mean, those are all things you love to see Uh, to the wide receiver stuff here. uh, People's Jones had 11 targets, six catches, 60 yards, Kareem hunt four for 24 and a touchdown on that little goal line fullback uh, slide to the flat. Anthony Schwartz had a huge catch for 19 yards. Late in the game, Harrison Bryant, two for 18. Probably should have hauled in a third one there uh, in that late uh, third down. I think it was a third quarter third down. And then Amari Cooper had six targets, three catches, 17 yards, and he had many great efforts that just the ball didn't get to him. He had a touchdown uh, beating coverage, uh, but the ball was kind of lobbed off Jacoby's back foot uh, there where that drew that DPI down to the one yard line. So that would have been about 40 yards for him in a touchdown. So the numbers don't show you uh, from a fantasy perspective anything great, but he was good. He was really good. And Joku, again, one target, seven yards. Got to get him more involved. They've got to get him more involved. Nick had one catch for two yards on a on a screen. A defensively uh, leading tacklers, John Johnson had seven. Martin Emerson, JOK had five. Miles Garrett, four, including two sacks. John Johnson also split a sack with uh, Jadavian Clowney. Uh, and then also another sack for Tommy, a half sack for Tommy Togiai. I don't know who Togi I split that with because I'm seeing just a random half sack sitting up here. That's got to get corrected at some point. That's pretty strange. Looks like Clowney and Togi I split a sack, and John Johnson should be labeled as having a sack, but they only gave him a half on the NFL Stats media page. It's weird. Anyway, that's kind of it. Grant Delpit had a pick, but it didn't get any yards out of it. Otherwise, um, looks like Herb Miller, they labeled as. Um, I don't know what they labeled that as. We're not going to worry about that. Miles Garrett forced a fumble, but didn't recover it. On the other side, Baker Mayfield accredited with four fumbles, which he recovered all of them. Two dropped under center snaps. So, you know, that's uh, that's that's just a continuation of the Browns' unfortunate fumble luck, That especially when one of those broke off. McCaffrey had a, a long run of like 28 yards on the day, but that what, the ball was like dropped. It was dropped on the ground. He just picked it up. It was really weird um McCaffrey goes 10 rushes 33 yards a touchdown really nobody else to talk about they gave Foreman two carries for five Chuba Hubbard had one for three Mayfield had five runs for six he did have that touchdown run which we'll talk about Mayfield 16 for 27 235 a touchdown and interception Robbie Anderson five for 102 largely because of a 75 yard touchdown coverage bust we'll get to Ian Thomas two for 53 again largely because of a coverage bust he had a 50 yard gain on one of those catches D.J. Moore, they kept wrangled until that very last drive. He caught a 26-yard ball. He ended up with three for 43, McCaffrey four for 24. Shai Smith had one catch for 12 yards. Their defense, Xavier Woods, had 10 tackles. Brian Burns, who I thought on first watch, played really well. Jeremy Chen, too. Both those young guys I like for them. Uh, but that's, that's really it. Uh, I thought J.C. Horn was pretty inconsistent. Their young corner uh, was beat several times. That's kind of the rundown of stats. We'll, we'll dig into the defense first, Corey. Let's do that, and then we'll get to offense. So if we look at this thing broken down by half, so if you look at the summaries um, at half, you can get an idea of how dominant the Browns were at that point. Uh, Mayfield was 10 of 19 for 101, and and it was even uglier until they had put together that decent little drive where he ends up, I think he ended up running that one in uh, for a touchdown, or maybe that wasn't the run in for a touchdown. I can't remember. Oh, that's the long throw for 50. So if he doesn't get that 50-yard throw right before half, it's even uglier, you know, that coverage bust. The Browns should have called a timeout. we're again we'll dig we'll dig into those individually in just a moment. But yeah, I mean the Browns are dominating this game at half, doubling up, uh, doubling up yards, doubling up first downs. It's 17 7 at half. So that is all really encouraging. Uh I just kind of wanted to look at splits. Like, okay, so we'll dig into Baker. I- I'm just gonna say he's gonna I think he should he'll grade poorly. I think he's gonna grade poorly, and I think that'll be fitting. He was bad. He had four passes knocked down in this game. I think, last I checked, it was four. He was inaccurate in early portions of the game. He blatantly misses that uh, sort of deep, uh, deep over route from D.J. Moore. It's like a late-thrown slant. It might have been a, f- a four-step slant or five-step slant where they, they the Browns bring a nickel pressure, and they get him right behind the... You see it on all 22. It's it's a, it's egregiously wide open. It's, it's just a slant uh, that gets behind the hook defender, and he just airmails it behind him. And Delpit gets the interception. He was rough. And if you listen, I'm not doing that. If you take out all the good, this guy sucked. I get that theory, but I always look at quarterback play differently. How many difficult plays did you have to make? And he didn't have to make very many. He didn't make them. He he completed a 50 yard throw up the left hash. The, the Panthers come out in two by two, and I'm going to shut up and give you a chance to rattle off on Mayfield in a second. I know I've been talking for a minute, Corey, but the the Panthers come out in two by two back back away uh, so there's it's three man to the to the short side of the field the Browns only have 10 guys on the field they you can see John Johnson on the opposite outside the opposite hash at safety waving to get Denzel to come on the field in the slot and in that confusion Grant Delpit never gets a, a check to make sure what and I'm not blaming John because it seemed like everybody was playing their quarters poach stuff with a one-on-one backside corner and Grant's supposed to be up the hash but he never gets it they, they, like jok and grant let him run let ian thomas run right between them john is clearly confused as to where there's nobody in the middle of the field because i think he thinks it's quarters and it's a catch and run for 50 yards and that's the only big throw he made in the first half that's a bust they should have called a timeout held right until the snap they barely even got the 11th guy on the field then the other one Uh, You know, there's three, there's four plays that stand out. This was a great defensive game, Corey, but four plays stood out. That was one. The 75 yard touchdown is the next it's, it's, it's quarters three by one. You get a, you get a post by number one outside. You get a sail route by number two and you get a flat route by number three. It's supposed to be passed off in palms. If they push, if number one and number two, both push vertical from what I gather from smart people and how I understand quarters, If number two pushes vertical to 10, he is taking it. The safety is taking it. He's not passing it off. Now, they could. I am here to tell you, I do not have confirmation. I do not talk to the Browns coaching staff. I do not know with 1 million percent certainty that they have coached it, taught it this way. But the thing that's tough in quarters is if you get two guys vertical, the safety has to eventually commit to that guy at a certain depth where I have to take two vertical. One and two are both vertical. You got outside. I got inside. I'm taking him. We're not passing it because they're both vertical. That's how it's taught normally. Now, again, the Browns could have some checks that if at 10 he disappears, I trade it off with the corner, but it's hard at that point in that depth. So to me, John is no hesitation drives on the sale route, and then it should be a corner over the top running with that post route from Robbie Anderson. He's playing at depth. It's not like he can't run with him. He just hesitates sitting on the sail route and it's an eye, it's a wide open touchdown everybody sees Grant Delp but the backside safety he has nothing to do with it. He's looking at the nub tied in on the backside to make sure he doesn't come up his void because it's a two it's a it's a 3 by 1 look he's technically looking up number 3 to the field side but when 3 disappears to the flat he gets eyes backside to make sure nothing cracks inside it's not his fault. It's either John or Grant. Grant or sorry John or Greg. Now those two The difficulty for Greg is that Greg is playing slot and outside. So when they went base in this formation, the series was a 12 personnel base look from the Browns. So they got two tight ends from the Panthers. They came out with three linebackers that put, that puts Greg Newsome outside and instead of in the slot. So that's, that's the difficulty of in and out. you got to make sure, you know, every check everywhere you're supposed to be all the time I feel like we'll see what pro football does because uh, pro football focus sometimes will talk to the Browns coaching staff. I know last year there was a situation where I don't know if you remember this Corey, do you remember the, the throw Mayfield made against the, the Ravens where they ran that what's called a squirrel route and it's an out and up comeback and Mayfield left it inside and it's supposed to be thrown outside and it got intercepted. But Jarvis was like sitting outside waiting on it, but was thrown inside and people tried to argue with me on it. And eventually Pro Football Focus, a couple people I talked to there were arguing with me about it. I'm like, no, that ball is an outside throw. This is a very well-documented throw. They talked to Alex Van Pelton, confirmed it was on the quarterback. So I don't know if they'll talk to the Brown staff because the Brown staff and some of the NFL staffs like to confirm to PFF, who puts out grades, who are publicly consumed, and get an answer on this. But I think it's on Greg not running with the post after both players in that formation pushed to 10. He's got to commit to that post. And I see, I've seen the Browns cover it that way before. That's why I also think it was just a, it was a weird, that's a weird miss, man. It's a weird miss. I mean, what is your opinion on both of those bus?
2: Yeah. I mean, with the, the one, the big one to Robbie Anderson, I mean, <laughs> Carolina calls a cover fours, be- cover four beater against cover four, you know? So like, I thought, I give Ben McAdoo a lot of crap because I think Ben McAdoo de- deserves a lot of crap, but I, I think Ben McAdoo also made some, some decent adjustments. You know, calling yeah. cover four beaters, you know, a scissor concept uh, where a post and a flag are kind of crossing against cover four is, deserves at least a little bit of recognition. And so that, that's just the, the it conflicts both the safety and the corner and and you would hope, you know, Greg's in his second year, you know, maybe third, fourth, fifth, hopefully next week. Uh, that That's something he'll know how to, to, to better respond to and slow down for him in the moment. But uh, that's what it does is just conflicts those safeties. Because again, you, you, you did say you match vertically at about eight to 10 yards. And, and that's when both those routes kind of break off is at eight to 10 yards. So, you yeah. know, corner and safety have to decide, are we, are we switching or are we, ma- or are we matching here? So uh, one matched and one switched and one went free. So. I can't <sighs> imagine though, dude, that they have not repped that. There's no way it's right. not that difficult to process. All it is is a wrinkle off a of
0: flood which is a high, medium, low, flood the portion of the field where they just run a post to it. It is a cover four beater. You're right. Well-documented cover four beater. But you have to have repped it. So that's why I'm pissed. And that's why I'm sure Joe is pissed and everyone's mad. And I'm willing to say a player botched that. That's fine. But the other one needed to be a timeout. When you don't have enough guys on the Hmm. field, you got to call a timeout. You cannot just run someone late and be out of place like that. I just think this. I think Joe Woods is fine. I have no problem with Joe Woods as a D.C., But if your guys are continually over portions of a season busting coverages, you can be as mad at players as you want. You can blame them. You can Scott Frost the world where he blames everybody but himself. But eventually, rest in peace, Scott Frost, Nebraska, by the way. (laughs) Eventually, you are a reflection of what your players can do, right? You can be the smartest defensive mind or offensive mind in the world. But if you can't get your players to understand the things in your brain, It's never going to work out for you. This is year three of the Browns' defense. And I'm talking Greg's been here for now his second year. Uh, This is John Johnson's second year. Grant Delpit's second year of active playing. This is not new. They play quarters more than any team in the NFL. McAdoo can know that all he wants. He can call cover four beaters to death. But in the postgame presser, Stefanski didn't comment on who's to blame. But he says we had a call in place that should not allow that to happen. It can't happen. And it's happened to it's, it's way too often. It's way too frequent with this group where I have to text John Stephenson or I have to text another friend of mine who's a DC about it. Like it just can't happen. It's not, it's happening too frequently. So either what you're teaching is too complex and your guys aren't getting it or it's on, it's on you, man. Like it's on you. Ultimately you can blame these guys all you want, but they bust coverage way too often, way too often. So that's something that has to get rectified, man. Uh, we've kind of addressed both of those busts. The other two plays I was talking what's, about at the What's bizarre, though, if, if
2: I can cut off real fast. What's yeah, bizarre, yeah. though, is like watching the last seven games of the 2021 season, the secondary is flying around and strapping people and making plays, and it seems like they no are. they're communicating they are. really well. So what? And then this summer, John Johnson is just going on and on and on about team team, you know, team morale, and we're communicating, we're, we're jiving better than we ever have before. And then week one comes and it's like you guys relapse to weeks one through six of the 2021 season where, you know, back then, John Johnson, Greg Newsom, Grant Delpit, who had never played a single game up to that point because of the Achilles, we're all new to the secondary. It's like, OK, yep. you know, we can give them a little bit, but it, it's not every single piece of that secondary is brought back from last year, which Martin Emerson, sure, whatever he played. He played quite a few snaps, but like your veteran leadership, your core is back. So what there, there's no excuse this time around. There's no excuse there,
0: there, there isn't. And in like. Again, I can I'm a person who totally will go, yeah, man, players have been told that a million times. They gotta do it. I'm with it. I've been doing that for Joe for a long time. I'm patient with coaches, way more than the general public. But this is getting to the point where either you can't get you're not getting through with what you're teaching or you're not doing a good job of getting it relayed onto the field. Because I I see far too often, and there was some of this on offense today, but far too often they're not aligned where they need to be. The right people aren't on the field. The call gets missed. And they talked about this a lot last year. And I'm sure in this week, this press conferences they have this week, they'll talk about it again. But this is a problem, man. You can have 55 good snaps of defense, but if four of them are bad, you're giving up 28 points. That's how it goes. And that's a loss. That's why you can't have this stuff, this unnecessary stuff. And I put a tweet out, the only way Baker Mayfield was going to beat you in this game is if you gave him clean throws. And listen, Mayfield... He he's gotta make the throws, right? He's gotta st- he's getting bull rushed on the on the Robbie Anderson bomb throw. He has to step left and get the hips turned and he made the throw. That's fine. Good ball. Ian Thomas saw it, ripped it, in stride, good ball. Cool. Those aren't tough throws, though. Make quarterbacks make them think, make them make tough throws. I can stomach a quarterback who can put it in a window and it's like, man, they just beat us. They just that that wide receiver went up and made a play over the top of us. I cannot stomach giving quarterbacks easy throws. The other two plays I'm referencing, the Mayfield scramble touchdown from seven yards out, I think, where they run a they run a twist game up front. They cover it beautifully. Nothing's open, but they run a twist game up front, and people lose focus on the quarterback and don't. They fail to get out and maintain closing the middle. That's the run. Anytime you run an ETX stunt or a you know a DT twist, uh, D, defensive end. Uh, what I mean is the the tackles and ends are sw- they're swapping. One's driving out, one's going in, or one's going out and one's going under. If you do that, you can get pinned. And if you don't have anyone left for the quarterbacks, an easy touchdown, that can't happen. You cannot let when May- Mayfield's shown that propensity. He'll run up the middle. If you give him a chance to run up vertically in a pot, just bull rush people into his lap. He doesn't like it. And they did that for the most part, but they got flirty with that one. That cost them. And then the other one, which I'm not really blaming them. You talked about McAdoo making some nice adjustments. Thought they did a nice job. They called that screen. I think it was... Uh, a third down maybe a third down I think it was a third down on that final Panthers drive they call a field blitz they bring two for to the field and they drop out Clowney uh, in the boundary they take him out wheel him out so they brought two overloaded that quarterback's left side and they wheeled Clowney out to the boundary and they threw a screen boundary into the boundary to McCaffrey and it was an easy pitch and catch I mean it's 26 21 yard gain actually I think is what it ended up being so You know, those four plays are all the Panthers had. If you take those four plays out, Mayfield throws for like 75 yards, 70 yards, maybe less. Like, Mm -hmm. they accounted for 75% of it. And it's like, I would just like, if you, what I mean by that, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Baker Mayfield. I hope he finds success and happiness and all the beautiful things the world has to offer. But you have to make him make difficult throws. He'll beat you if you just bust coverage. He'll find it. And there's credit to that. He didn't really have to move through progressions to find either of these busts. They were right in front of his face. But like, that's my point. They You can't do that. And the Browns got lucky to win this game with a long kick, but that shouldn't have been. I mean, you and I were on the show together. You had just joined. It's 23-14. You're like, all right, two score game. This is right where you want to be. Boom, one place, 75 yard touchdown with six minutes left. Changed everything, changed everything. So, you know, we'll, we'll wrap on Baker. I thought it was a C minus D plus game putting the ball on the ground, knock down passes, inaccurate for large portions of it. A couple throws save him when the Browns bust coverage. And again, you got to make the throws. You got to, I get it, not a good game, man. He's not a good game, and I don't think he's going to have a very good season. I'll give you the, 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 the floor here. I just, it, it was the full Baker Mayfield experience. You got all the things he does, all the misreads, all the misthrows, but then he'll hit some open deep throws if you give them to him. It was the full Mayfield experience, and I think people who are huge Mayfield supporters are like, he played really well. He, he rebounded and played well. Four, you know, two fumbles from under center, four knockdown passes, 16 of 27, where he gets bailed out by some blunders by the defense. Like, I'm just, I don't, I didn't see it, man. It was the same old guy, the reason the Browns moved on.
2: Yeah, for the most part, I thought he was seeing ghosts of the game. He wasn't adjusting well to pressure. Uh, he wasn't adjusting well to rotating safeties. Uh, I I, I think I saw very early in in the game, you remember the 2020 season when he like the first drive of the game against the Ravens where he threw a pick. It might have been the first play of the game, first throw of the game because Calais Campbell rotated from his defensive tackle spot and he didn't see it. I almost swore I saw the Browns do that like very early in the game uh to him as well. But yeah, I, he's he he's not seeing it. I think he what he sees pre-snap is like what he's what he's got. It's what he's got uh and anything that rotates post snap or anything any action that happens post snap is is not something that he has the temperament to to adjust to i mean the feet were were the same as they were last week his his propensity to to bail as soon as he feels a fly flying towards him was was about the same so yeah, I'm I'm kind of there with you. You know, I I, st- I still think he could find success somewhere, you know, teams like New Orleans, teams like Tampa Bay, like they sniffed yep. around him for for a reason. Like teams still love this dude. They still think there's something there, but I do think he's probably I mean Matt Matt Rules not going to survive this year. That's that that regime's not going to survive this year. So I think he's going to be somewhere else in, in 2023. 2023 now. Yep. Uh than he is this year. And you know, maybe that is a rehab stint in Tampa Bay, maybe that is a rehab stint behind a veteran somewhere else before he, you know, he pulls a Mitch, Mitch Trubisky and just goes and sits behind somebody before coming back out. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. He is who he is. He is who he is.
0: Yeah, man. Like this is who he is. And that's fine. Some teams like that. And if you're a staunch Baker supporter and you see yourself in Baker Mayfield and you're this guy, like he's, he embodies what I embody and I cool. That's fine. He is who he is. He'll throw 20 touchdowns and 14 interceptions this year. He'll throw for 3,700 yards. I, a team wanting better than that. It's pretty easy to understand. So, um, that's the collective defense talk. We talked about Mayfield. I'm closing the book. I am done talking about him for a while, a long while. I don't talk about him. I really don't Browns. Don't play the Panthers now for another four years, I think, or something like that, or who we'll see where he ends up next year. If he's still with Carolina or whatever, but like, there's no need to have discourse on it anymore. So we closed it today. He played a D plus C minus game. He played Jacoby for the most part, uh, I guess. I I don't know. They were about the same, in my opinion. Jacoby missed some throws. He didn't turn it over. That's a difference. Like, you know, I don't know this, but that's the barometer. People are arguing with me about, well, you all outplayed Jacoby, and okay, that's
2: cool. Well, good job. Yeah. The Browns yeah.
0: didn't didn't bring Jacoby Brissett in to be better than Baker Mayfield. They just wanted him to be a respectable dude until the guy they traded for is back. Like, congrats, man. If if, if Brissett's the barometer, everybody in the world knows a healthy Baker Mayfield is better than Jacoby Brissett kudos to you i hope that makes you happy so anyway um you know mayfield recovered better second half but brown's made it pretty simple for him so anyway uh moving on and we will take one quick break and then we're going to talk about the offense and then we'll hit on some extra points afterward uh after we talk about the offense where we highlight some players we thought played pretty well so um yeah we'll be right back one more quick break and a word from some blue wire sponsors right. The offense goes for 355. Run game was great, Corey. I I thought the pin pull stuff was phenomenal. They ran laterally really well. Postage was moving well. Uh, I liked some of the variety there. They didn't run a ton of like tight zone, but they were a wide zone effective team. Again, mixed in the pin pull a little bit of power, not much power counter. I think they wanted to run to the edges with pin down stuff quickly. So, I mean, you run for 217, uh, the two running backs essentially combining for 187 on 33 carries. That is exactly who they need to be in these 11 games. And I, I was I was impressed with the run game as a whole. We'll see what the grades look like, but I, I thought that overall I didn't see anybody play poorly. I think White Teller had one hold where I thought he got a little sloppy, but for the most part they dominated the, the trenches in, in both phases, I, I thought, uh, in this one. Did you agree?
2: Yeah, I thought so too. I'm excited to go back and watch the end zone angle of all 22 and just see – uh particularly I want to watch Wills and, and Hudson the two young mm-hmm. tackles because I mean I I think the Browns and I maybe not it's super set in stone but like I think the Browns have have confidence in James Hudson moving forward so yeah how can those two young dudes continue to grow and and, and for the most part I thought Wills was really good in pass pro and I again yeah. I, I said it earlier I didn't hear Hudson's name at all um and again I didn't hear Ethan Posick's name at all either so all of the things that were kind of question marks coming into the season, specifically Hudson and and Pozick, like uh, I didn't, I didn't hear anything. So um, again, it's a different story when you go back and watch the tape, but, but, but from where I sit today, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I had no concerns with the offensive line play.
0: Yeah. They gave up one sack on a free rusher that came through on a play action, a run action concept, where I thought Jacoby needed to let it rip to Njoku up the seam with a little anticipation for his second cut in the route. And uh, it didn't take place and it was a it was a sack that came from depth it was like a very slow drawn out sack but otherwise i'll look at the pressure numbers but i don't know what those will look like but i think they'll be pretty good for the most part hudson had that one illegal uh, man downfield play he mm-hmm. is kind of the opposite of jed like i think he's significantly less talented than jed but he competes harder and he lets this like nasty streak get the best of him sometimes where he gets too aggressive and if you watch that play he's like finishing the block seven yards downfield on this guy and it's like hey man that's wide zone play action you don't need to do that just just hang out around the line of scrimmage brother we don't need you to do that he's kind of got that over the top and so that's okay so you can make up for a lack of talent with with try hard hustle finish at the tackle position sometimes but uh, that was one i'm sure he'll get riffed on in film and he'll need to correct but yeah to your point man like i've thought coming into this year hudson had the potential potential if he could kept taking steps forward, and like I thought he did in his rookie year, to to be a guy they could really see as a viable right tackle option, and today was encouraging. So, step in the right direction. Posich seemed fine. He moved well. He was out in front of some pin pull stuff in the way that Treader used to be. It was seemed fine. But I don't really know that there was anybody getting is going to get credited with a sack. I actually think that Pro Football Focus will put that one on the quarterback. So, um, I think that's fitting. Otherwise, uh, offensively we. Reference a little bit of stuff. Like, I thought DPJ is who he is. You and I have had so much discourse on this. He's not a separator. He's really not going to get much separation for his quarterback. But you can kind of get away with that in the NFL if you can make difficult catches away from your frame, diving low, going up and getting the football, or back-shouldering it. He's that guy. We know by now he's not really going to run away from people in vertical concepts, but he can get the football caught in a variety of ways. He's not going to separate a ton in man-to-man stuff but he can make difficult catches. So there's a role for him. He can do fine. He had six for 60. He was good in this game. You catch the football on difficult catches and difficult locations, right, Corey? I think that can still be an effective Mm -hmm. player. He's not going to ever be dynamic because he doesn't separate the way we would love, but you can still be an effective NFL receiver if you can make those weird catches. And he he was on display today.
2: You can be a wide receiver too doing that. Yeah. And that was my big question coming into the season. Is Donovan Peoples-Jones a wide receiver too, or is he a, a niche vertical back shoulder kind of guy along the boundary and uh, i again maybe i was a little too harsh on him this summer you know some of those turning camp clips where they're like oh what a catch by dpj where he's really not getting out of breaks but like hey if it's working in games and maybe that's that's just kind of who he is uh yeah. he's not twitched and, and, up he's he's not no, twitched not up
0: like he's he's just he's not gonna stiff. do that yeah exactly he's not gonna he's not gonna at the top of a route put the feet down real quick and get out of a cut and hit a double at the top of the route. That's going to make somebody really like just shift the weight and turn. And like, it's just not who he is, but to your point, And I think you're making a good point here too, is like, it'll look sloppy. Sometimes it can look sloppy though. If you can make tough catches, which today I continue to be that like, he has a keen knack for going down and getting footballs low. And that's, that's not a, that's not a light skill. Like being able to, to pick footballs below your waistline, is a really great skill to have. Like that's challenging, man.
2: Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. And you know, I, I think again we talked about the little Amari Cooper stuff, but you know, as he continues to get comfortable, it really seems like Jacoby and, and Donovan have something, which is uh, for for all the question marks the wide receiver room has is is a is a gigantic. It's almost like a sigh of relief, like oh, there is somebody else in this room who can make a mm-hmm. play. Um, mm-hmm. And so that that's that's what I feel most is like oh, like oh, maybe maybe there is somebody else here who can step up other than amari cooper so yeah yeah. which is a question that wasn't answered all preseason and again guys didn't really play in the preseason so we don't really get those answers but it's like it it was a good good little sigh of relief that maybe year three like oh maybe this is just his his improvements really are linear and incremental and maybe i i I counted him out a little bit too soon
0: we'll see there's a long season we'll see if he can continue this path but it was encouraging today I thought Cooper was good, created separation. There was a a hold there on Horn late in the game that it's like, man, I felt like his corner route was pretty wide open if they put that ball on him. We obviously know the DPI referenced earlier. He could have had a 100-yard day. Still Amari Cooper, still loses people. That's why Amari is Amari and why he's special and why he's been paid so much for so long. It's like losing people at the NFL level is the highest trait a wide receiver can have. Outside of catching it, you got to catch it, but being able to just lose people, He was fine. Mm -hmm. He was some stuff that you you referenced it on the stream too. Uh, He was just like beginning of the game seemed sort of lost. A couple times he didn't line up in the right side, so uh, they had to show him like Jacoby had to holler at him. Getting then there was the delay of game penalty where he tried to go in motion simultaneous to somebody else moving, and Jacoby kind of had to reset it. And I'm surprised they didn't call flag earlier because but Brissette had to fix it. So that stuff needs to get cleaned up. But I was encouraged by Cooper. Otherwise, like. Bell played 23 snaps um, and didn't get a target, but he was out there and they used him in a variety of ways to try to be what you and I thought, which is a big slot, uh, a guy who can block a little bit. I don't know what the blocking looked like. There was one time they asked him to handle the backside end on a, on a, on a wide zone. It's like, whew, unless you're going at the knees, man, that's a tall task for a guy to handle like Brian Burns as a backside end, right. it's really good. It's just a tall task, but uh, we'll see if he gets more targets in the future. Schwartz, Hey, man, Uh, there was a slant that people are going to say he dropped, but I thought that was good coverage. I thought that that it was a hard. It would have been a really difficult catch. Um, I'm interested to see what I don't think they'll give him a drop on that. I thought the coverage was solid, but he did a great job on that little Chip Kelly mesh where you settle over the middle of the field at about 15. And then he worked scramble drill with Jacoby and made a great catch for 19 yards at a pivotal, pivotal moment. So. That's a positive from Schwartz, right? He caught a couple reverses, gained twenty yards. I would call that game a net positive for him, would you? He had three positive plays. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. He caught yeah. that. He caught that scramble drill too, where he got out of his route and worked towards the boundary towards the Yeah,
0: that's what I was saying. Yeah. So, Huge so start, that was yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say three three positives for him is a very good start based on how uh, nervous we all were. But he got about twenty five <laughs> snaps. He actually out snapped um, David Bell. So that's a little bit of a wrinkle. I don't think many of us thought was going to happen. Early in the, year. the the thing that's still strange to me, and I'm going to have to watch if David was open more, but there was one where on third down in the, in the red zone, uh, Jacoby looked to his right from an empty set and decided to go to the three-man side, but I thought the two-man side to his left, and if you rewatch it, the numbers were good, and he had David on a little seven stick on third and 11, where I thought it was open, but he threw it to Brian on the right side, should have been caught, could have made it a fourth down decision, I think you noted he was probably going to go for it, but the ball was dropped, I just can't I need this to get figured out. Like, why is he only getting one target to Bryant's four? I like Harrison Bryant. I do not like him getting more targets. He's a less explosive player. I need, we got to figure out how to get David the football. They didn't run a tight end screen in this game, which was interesting. They didn't run many screens. They did run a well-timed third down screen right before half to get him three points in a long third down situation. They ran another one off of a fake reverse. They ran a little uh, fake run concept, fake reverse, and we're going to come back to the running back. They ran that play for a touchdown against Cincinnati in twenty twenty in Cincinnati. It was an it was a touchdown they ran. They got they got out and Nick broke it for a long one. But uh, Carolina sniffed that one out. They didn't run a ton of screens though and they didn't run their traditional tight end screen. So that eliminates a target here or there. But again, you paid him a lot of money. He cannot have one target games. You've got to figure out some way to get him the football. He cannot be a glorified and he blocked well, but he can't be a glorified blocker. He can't. So that needs to be fixed. Would you agree? I know you're a big Njoku. Yeah, player, so I would definitely right agree. Right into your wheelhouse. Here,
2: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree. And especially looking at the ways that Njoku has thrived in in recent years, has been you know slot fades, seam shots. Uh, I hate goal line fades, but he's very good at them. For for what it's worth, uh, and, and there it's week one, but there wasn't a. Seam, and I, you, you mentioned the seam shot. I think I saw another one on a third down uh, as well maybe i'd have to go back and, and look at the tape again but yeah sound like sound like you jackson but um God, it's true sometimes But yeah but yeah. but no no slot fades i would have loved to seen a slot fade like that's a dialed up shot that isn't going to cause jacoby to go through many progressions you see him you see a mismatch and and you take it uh there aren't many linebackers going to jump with him and there aren't many nickels who have the size to, to compete with him at the catch point so yeah i i don't know Really we got to watch it. You we'll watch that guy a lot of money. I know yeah.
0: that's my, my, it's my big point. Like we'll watch <laughs> the tape as we do here and try to figure out if there were some missed shots to him. I thought there were a few off the top of my head, but yeah, I can't, I cannot stomach anymore. One target in Joku games. It's not on David. I really don't think it is. I think they got to figure out how to get the quarterback's eyes to him. And then also putting him in situations where he can make, make some plays, like give him some chances, give him some faith, let him have a shot. So he was backside though, a lot. They were running that 11 personnel, with him a a kind of a condensed backside solo look. Like, I hope -hmm. they continue going to that, but from that look, I need him to get opportunities. So, yeah. Anyway, they did run some wide receiver screens. I thought that was interesting. They did run a little bit of that. We should talk, too, about how all offseason we talked about, is it Schwartz? Is it Felton? What are they going to do? I mean, they ran i want to have to look at the data here, but I, they ran a ton of twenty-one. They ran they ran with two mm-hmm. in the backfield a lot, which is gonna be, I think, a prominent Deshaun Watson formation, using the creativity they can do with him from RPO stuff. But I was surprised that they pistoled it up and used Kareem as their gadget guy a lot. And they should. He's good enough to do it. Yes. He's effective at it. And um I thought that was a, a fun wrinkle that they got some successful plays out of that stuff when both those guys are on the field. I'd imagine they had maybe 10 plays of 21. I know that this, uh, unfortunately, most tracking software still lists Felton as a running back, which is a joke at this point. But um, yeah, I'll have to check into how many times those guys were were both on the field. So that wraps offense. I mean, I thought, again, 38 minutes of ball control, 74 plays, 4.8 yards per on 74 plays two seventeen rushing. That's what you want. You all you know, you, you all went crazy. This run it, run it, run it. Well, they did.
2: 35 times.
0: You (laughs) cannot get mad about Jacoby. Let me just say this. You can get mad. You can get mad. I'm not telling you how to live your life. Your expectations, if you were mad at Jacoby Brissett today, your expectations were off. Like, this is who he is. He doesn't see things come open very often. He's a see it, throw it quarterback, but he doesn't turn it over. He'll do some sneaky good things for you. He'll make some mistakes, but he does some sneaky good things for you. He's just not going to win you games. He's a win with to the extreme Win with type like he's he still is sometimes not good enough to win with. And today would have been an example like, but this is who he is. So if you're spending all your time complaining about Jacoby Bissett, you're like have misguided expectations. we The Browns knew this was going to be the outcome with him. They knew he wasn't going to be great. You can go, hey, they should have got Garoppolo. They didn't want to give up assets for that. They they, they knew this is they're going to have to overcome it. He'll have good games, better games than this. He made some gutty throws, though. He made some big mm-hmm. final drive throws. He deserves credit for that. So this is who he is, though. This is largely what you're going to get. They're not going to have an effective passing offense until they get the quarterback back that they paid $230 million to. Like, that's just the way it's going to be for a while. They're trying to get to five wins and give themselves a chance late in the season. The Pittsburgh loss, or, sorry, the Pittsburgh win, very much helps with the Cincinnati situation. Down the line, they could look back at that, and that matters because Pittsburgh's not going anywhere. A bunch of injuries today, and they're just their offense is anemic, so they're not going anywhere. So, like again, to my larger point, I'm just saying, like, stop complaining about Jacoby Brissett. He is who he is, and if you can't accept that, then you're going to get mad at it. That's fine. But Kevin's scheming people open, they'll 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 make some of those throws. They'll be fine. They won't win some games that you want them to win and they'll win a game here or there that you don't expect them to win because they find some ways to make some plays. But this is how it's largely going to be. And and I just think we should stop freaking out. Well, Jacoby, that's terrible. Yeah, I get it, man. He's extremely limited. But can he do enough to get you in a position to win? And he did that today. And they called the game the way you've all been clamoring for, me included, riding the running backs like crazy, right? They didn't get cute. They didn't do anything unnecessary, in my opinion. So pretty good. Pretty good overall. We had some extra point topics, but, man, I feel like we talked about a lot of them. We did two, talk two, about a lot. <laughs> yeah, two um, two little things here. Uh, I thought Walker, and we'll watch JOK, too, but I thought the linebackers played fine. I think you and I agree on that, mm-hmm. that they played fine. Jacob Phillips continues to yeah. frustrate, man. Just overrunning <laughs> plays, and, like, I just don't know. I thought I think we were hopeful that there was something more there, but it might just be a one-contract guy here in cleveland and they're gonna to have to continue to search for another Mike down the line um and then the dt's which was largely Taven bryan and jordan elliott i thought they were respectable they were fine Taven bryant that that roughing the passer call was far more egregious than the one late by brian burns I, at the helmet. i just don't know what he's supposed to do what how can like, you expect a 300 pound guy to shift his weight mid lunge like how what?
2: ridiculous
0: yeah man he had a that bull rush too i thought they were fine toge i had that nice rep to get the sack too so like Minimal defensive line rotation because there were only 50 plays. And I think everybody was pretty fresh on that side of the ball, but I, I thought they were good, good enough. And, and Taven had some juice. I think he'd be interested to see what it looks like collectively for them. The other thing was the fake spike. We'll kind of close on this Carolina, <laughs> Matt rule even talked about like getting jobbed on that one. And it's like, okay, two things. If you're watching, you go back and watch the tape, the Jacoby roughing the passer, which it was a helmet hit. So it could have been called targeting. It was a crown of the helmet. that hit his uh, upper jaw, uh, but if you watch it, I don't know which Panther it is. It was a single digit number, but when Jacoby gets hit, the ball lands short and it ball bounces like twice in the line. And you can see that the ball is just bouncing And in, in the, this, this defender for Carolina just like delivers this huge hit into DPJ's back. Like I thought it was like bluntly obvious, unnecessary roughness. Like it was a terrible hit like into his back that knocks him down, I'm like, really? That ball bounce was, it was clearly obvious it was not caught or a play was being made on it. is just standing there. So that one's like, it should have been eye for an eye. Like, if you, if you take that away. The other thing they're complaining about is this air quotes fake spike that, like, I think when you watch it, I've watched it like seven times. I'm going to watch on the all 22 angle. I don't know if you noticed anything on it, Corey, but like, he almost bobbled the ball. Like he was coming out from under center and tried to like get a grip on it to spike it, but he bobbled it. And it looks like a fake spike, but it's not because nobody runs a route other than to the wide side of the field outside. Anthony Schwartz runs like a speed out for some reason. None of the other three receiving potential receiving targets on the field even move. They stand there. So the rule is you can't fake a spike and then and then uh, make a, a move for any sort of. It can't be a, trying to gain an advantage. And then spike it again, that would be flagged. And the Browns would have lost 10 yards in like 10 seconds. It would have been a 68-yard kick and had three seconds on the clock. And they threw the flag, but all he did was bobble it. He just bobbles. He never looked shorts way to the wide side. There's not like there was anything going on there. He just bobbled it and threw it down. I Panthers were throwing a fit about it. And apparently, some people thought it was a missed call. I don't know. I don't know how you think that's a missed call. He doesn't really if he's fake spiking it, someone's running a fade. Uh, or something, right? Like you're trying to throw it over the top of stale defenders. There's none of that, so it was really weird, man. Did you notice it?
2: Uh, I didn't. Uh, I mean, I noticed the the like the commotion live, but I, I didn't hear Matt Rule post game say anything about it. Or I haven't been up to date on all of that, but but yeah, it's just very odd. And, and I the only thing that I keep thinking about is like, man, if that would again gotten cold, that's the most Cleveland Browns way to lose a football game. So I'm just happy, you know, for once, for once a late game call didn't, didn't go against the Browns.
0: I'm with it. It was nice. I'll I'll leave it to you, man. Any closing remarks for this one as we wrap up?
2: Uh, I think you hit on everything, man. Like again, you mentioned Anthony Walker, Taven, Bryan, those guys i on broadcast again, like Brian got some real push. Brian got some yeah. real push. Um, and all they really wanted him to do is shoot gaps. And he, I thought he did it and get into the chest of the man across me and I thought he did it at a high level. So, uh, it's one and zero, oh, man, and and now you you go into New York where you got Joe Flacco, who's a shell of himself, and and you're talking about uh, a rookie fourth rounder at right tackle and a journeyman vet who's never been good anywhere. He's been playing tackle, so I I think this is definitely another another game where the Browns can go in uh, and win. Another game where the Browns can go in and kind of control the game again defensively. So again, yeah. no, I mean I think the receivers are are probably on par with. With Carolinas as well, so like don't blow a coverage and you're probably in control. And that's what's so frustrating about this Panthers game is you you talked about time of possession, the amount of offensive plays run. Like it is extremely demoralizing when you have a scoring drive and then give up a play, like a one drive play. Like yep, I, just can't do that. So I, I feel good about next week too. You know, starting two and zero would be something given the, the the quarterback situation and the the circumstances surrounding the first you know the next ten games, but. I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic. And I mean, again, we were talking about two plays so clean that up and we're, we're talking about a much different football game.
0: Yeah. I think, I think you should be optimistic, man. I, I, at this point they have a four winnable games here at the start. Now Atlanta over uh, played their situation a little bit and Pittsburgh uh, who they also play is, is got the fortunate break of five turnovers and like seven or eight sacks in that Cincinnati game, including one fumble in the overtime by Burrow. Like, that's what it took for them to win. Uh, so yeah, these are games that they, three and one we've talked about. It's the minimum in these first four. And I, there's a path to four and O here. It really is. So clean up those things, man. Please though, please stop busting coverages. Yeah. Figure it the F out because it can't happen. That's the only reason Carolina sniffed being competitive in this game. So figure it out. Otherwise we should be optimistic. Seems like the injury uh, situation was good today. Didn't hear anything serious, Jack Conklin's getting close, not quite ready. See if Dearness Johnson keeps being a game-day scratch. I was pretty surprised by that. But, again, it can only carry so many running backs, and a 46-day uh, game-day active roster gets tight. So it's not overwhelmingly surprising, but I was a little tinge surprised by that. We'll see what shakes out. He could start for other teams in the league. But otherwise, Corey, man, listen, fun fun episode, opening win. Uh, everybody should be feeling pretty damn good. So I appreciate Wanna you know. hanging out with me. 1-0. One and know, man. One and know? It feels good. It's nice, different, unique. And after again, after a long off season of uh just uh, wherever you stand on that, it's just your prerogative, but it's just been a long off season. So it's nice to start one and know and feel good for a change. That's a wrap for today's episode again. Monday rewind on the Twitch channel tonight for your viewing consumption. I'll have Chalk Talk up with Kyle Murphy and John Stephenson Tuesday night. A bevy of great articles will be up on the OBR explaining everything that happened in the game, including Corey's four downs and many other things, such as my coverage breakdown stuff too. So check all that out. Thanks for hanging out with us today, giving me some of your time. Enjoy your Victory Monday. Talk trash to people who are fans of other teams and have been, have been belittling you forever. Have fun with it. You enjoy uh, a Victory Monday. You deserve it. I think Browns fans needed it. So uh, again, thanks, guys, for hanging out. Have a great Monday. Go Browns.